0: Good morning everybody. If you guys have your Bible, go ahead and open up to the book of Romans. We're going to be looking at Romans chapter 1 today, verses 16 and 17. We started our study through the book of Romans, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, on Wednesday night. And we covered the first 15 verses. If you missed it, you can pick up a CD in the information booth, or you can go online. And my encouragement is that you would be a part and commit to going through the book of Romans, one of the richest, deepest, just uh, such a pivotal book for the Christian faith and our life. And so we're just going to study through it, and we are so excited to be a part of it. So we are going to be looking at verses 16 and 17 this morning, and so let's jump right in. It says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous man shall live by faith. These two verses are some of the most popular and uh, most quoted and memorized verses in all of the scripture. So beautiful and so powerful. And it's been rightly said that these two verses would be the central thesis of the book of Romans. And I believe they would best encapsulate or just wrap up the whole theme of Paul's epistle to the church in Rome. But I not only believe that these are important and pivotal to uh, the book and the epistle and Paul's letter to the church in Rome, but I believe it is equally important and pivotal to us. And the, the, really, it gives us the key to life. I think these verses are so important to every single person, especially A believer, because they talk about and they cover things that are of the utmost importance for us to know and to understand. Things like understanding the gospel. Every believer needs to have a deep, rich understanding of the gospel. Every single believer needs to have a rich, deep understanding of the power of God unto salvation. The righteousness of God. These are things that are so crucial and critical. So not only are they the central thesis of the book of Romans, but I believe of Every single believer, these verses mean everything to us. And so in the beginning of the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Rome, the first 15 verses were just his greetings and his salutations. He let them know that he desired to be with them and how much he loved them and he wanted to be there to impart spiritual gifts, to fellowship and to draw closer to each other. And so the first 15 verses were just the greeting and then he jumps right in with this powerful statement and says that I am not ashamed of the gospel A little bit about Rome. Rome was the capital of the modern day world at this time. And we know that this was a place that he desired to visit for a long, long time. In the Apostle Paul's writings in the book of Acts, we see Luke, as he was covering the Apostle Paul, we see that he wanted to go to Rome. His desire was to go to Rome, to be with them. He knew that if he could preach the gospel in Rome, that it would be a hub in which everything flowed from. And so he wanted to be with them. He loved them. And that it was important that he reached Rome. Even though Rome was such a big city and such a powerful city at the time, he let them know that he had zero concerns, no worries, no fears, no anxieties at all about preaching the gospel in this big, powerful city. So much so we see in verse 15, it says that he was eager to preach in Rome, it says there. He was eager. He couldn't wait. His strongest desire was to get to Rome and to preach the gospel. He couldn't wait. He was literally just chomping at the bits to get there and to be there and to minister to them and to preach the gospel there. He was eager. Now, some evangelists and some Christians might not have been so eager to go to Rome. Some might have been intimidated by it. It was massive. It was uh, under Roman rule, there was persecution there. There was uh, philosophers there. Was a lot of the intellectuals of the day were found in Rome. So it might have been intimidating for some. Some might have said, I don't necessarily want to go to Rome. But that wasn't the case with the Apostle Paul. He wasn't worried about the philosophers, the power, the prestige, all the intellectuals that were there. He couldn't wait to get there to minister to them, to reach them. 1 Corinthians chapter One reminds us of really what the climate towards the gospel was in Rome. Many people in Rome saw the gospel as foolishness. They looked down and they frowned upon the gospel. They saw it as foolishness because they didn't understand it. They were blind to it. There was a time in all of our lives where the gospel might have been foolishness to us, where we didn't understand the message of grace and how God's love that he sent his only begotten son. And so they just dismissed it. Why? Because they were such a powerful people that were in need of nothing, a prideful people. Rome, you think that we need something? You think that we're in need, that we're lacking? We know everything. We worship all sorts of gods, all sorts of temples. They were wrapped up in all kinds of idolatry. And so the message of a God who loved them and desired for them to repent and to worship him and him alone, it was foolishness to them. But Paul wasn't intimidated. He wasn't moved by that whatsoever. Now, I think the encouragement in us is the same, that we not be intimidated to share the gospel with anyone. I think at times that's natural. Maybe people with power, uh, supervisors, bosses, neighbors, whatever it may be, it's intimidating to share the gospel, but we need to not be ashamed of the gospel like the Apostle Paul was, and know that it's reasonable. Whether we're uh, sharing it with doctors or lawyers, the Intellectuals of our day, the gospel is reasonable, and it's beautiful, and we need to share and not be intimidated to share the greatest news of all time with all mankind. The Apostle Paul wasn't, and we shouldn't be either. And so he says this radical statement, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And it's very interesting to me that the Apostle Paul would even say that, that he wasn't ashamed of the gospel. Because as we study through the book of Acts and as we look at the Apostle Paul's life, he never did anything at any time that would lead us to believe that he was ashamed of the gospel, that he was scared or that he was fearful. As we study through the book of Acts, we see that this was a man who was beaten, left for dead, chased out of towns, imprisoned, stoned for the gospel's sake. And he never cowered. He never backed down. Actually, he did the exact opposite. We remember times where he was stoned and he was dragged out of the town and left for dead. And depending on your stance, he might have been dead. But when he got up, he didn't run. He didn't go for safety. He got up and he went right back into the town. That's a boldness. And so why would the Apostle Paul have to say that he was not ashamed of the gospel? We know that. We've seen that in his life. But the question I think is good for each and every single one of us to ask ourselves today is, do we have that same heart of the Apostle Paul? Can we actually say to ourselves that we are unashamed of the gospel? Or have there been times or are there times where we have been ashamed of the gospel or identifying ourselves as Christians, as believers, as followers of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? We would never have to question that with the Apostle Paul, but what about ourselves? Well, I think the easy answer is to roll off our tongue as believers and to say, of course not. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of, to identify with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but I think we really have to ask ourselves good and open and honest questions. Have we ever been ashamed to share the gospel with somebody for whatever reason because of maybe the way that they might think about us or the way um, people might talk about us? Have we ever been ashamed to identify ourselves as a Christian. Maybe there's a conversation going on at work or wherever we find ourselves at times, and God says, go and, and talk. And, but we don't. We cower and we get scared. Have any of these times happened? Scared to identify with Christ as a believer? Scared to share the gospel? Have we been ashamed of the gospel or identifying with Christ? These are good questions, These aren't crazy questions meant to beat us down or discourage us, but to really take an honest look. Because now more than ever, we need not be ashamed of the gospel or our affiliation or our walking with God. Now more than ever, we need to be bold in our Christian faith. And even as we look through the scriptures, the mighty Peter, one of the original apostles, fell short in this area. We remember. Jesus told him, you're going to deny even knowing me three times. Peter was offended. So we need not be offended by these questions. We need to ask ourselves these questions. Peter said, Jesus, I will never deny you. I would die for you. I would fight for you. But here he is sitting around a fire and a little girl intimidated the mighty Peter to the point where he even denied knowing Jesus. He was ashamed. and So it's okay to ask ourselves these questions. It's it's times like this that promotes growth when we look inside and says, "Man, are there any areas that I'm ashamed to identify with Christ or of the gospel?" Jesus himself even spoke about this very is- issue. In Mark chapter 8, he says, "If you are ashamed of me or ashamed of my words when I come back in the glory of the Father and of the angels, so too will I be ashamed of what you." And so, as believers, as followers, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we need not be ashamed of the gospel. We need not be ashamed of Jesus Christ. Now more than ever, as a church, as believers, and as individuals, may we not be ashamed. May we pray that the Lord help us to be unashamed. I remember back when I was a junior high pastor, I, the name of our youth group at that time was Unashamed. And it was an amazing time of ministry. And that, that, that time, that youth group, it came straight from the scripture. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, unashamed of the gospel. My desire for the junior hires at that time, 6th, 7th, and 8th graders, is that they would be unashamed to walk with God, unashamed of the gospel, unashamed of identifying with Jesus, that they would go to their campuses, their schools, and that they would be witnesses, that they would be lights, that they would be different. And that prayer that I had for them back then is the same prayer that I have for each and every single one of us, that we would truly be unashamed. When we're unashamed, God can use us. God can do great and mighty and powerful things through a person who is unashamed of the gospel. And so after this powerful statement, the Apostle Paul letting everyone know that he is unashamed of the gospel, he gives two reasons why he was unashamed of the gospel. Reason number one is because it was the power of God unto salvation. You see, How could he be ashamed of something that was the power of God that was changing people's lives, that was leading them to him? So reason number one, it is the power of God unto salvation. The word power here is a popular Greek word that we hear hear a lot called dunamis. And it's the same word that we get our English word dynamite. So what the apostle Paul is saying here is that it's the dynamite, the explosive power of God in someone's life. How can we be ashamed of that? The explosive power of God changing somebody's life, that's not something to be ashamed of. And the apostle Paul said, I cannot be ashamed. It is the dynamite power that leads people to him. Now, he couldn't be ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it was the dynamite power of God unto salvation. Now, it's important to understand what the gospel is. The gospel is a word that we throw around a lot, that we use a lot. Within a Christian community, within a church, it's constantly the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. And oftentimes when we use a word a lot, it it loses its meaning. It can lose the power, but may it never in the lives of a believer. The gospel, uh, we allow it in our minds to water down. It is the power of God unto salvation. Now, the word of salvation, the word salvation here means to be delivered or to be rescued. And I think both of those words are a very fitting description of salvation, being delivered and being rescued. You see, because the gospel does deliver. It delivers us from darkness to light. It it delivers us from the path of death and destruction to a path of life. It delivers us. It literally picks us up, delivers us from that road, that assembly line. Broad is the road to destruction. And many go down. We were going down there, and God delivered us from that. The gospel truly does deliver. It also gives meaning to our life. Without the gospel, without a relationship with Christ, we're literally dead man walking. But the gospel gives us life. It gives us meaning. It gives us purpose. The Apostle Paul talked about this in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, we were dead in our sins and trespasses, but God, we were going through this world meandering without purpose and goal, but God delivered us. And so salvation, the gospel, it does deliver. But the gospel also rescues us. The salvation, it rescues us. And we know salvation through Christ, it rescues us through, from the, uh, the judgment to come. We don't have to worry about that. We're rescued from that because we have been forgiven. Our slates have been wiped clean. When we stand before the Lord, we don't have to be judged because of the sins that we've committed. We're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in. We've been rescued from the judgments that come, the penalty of sin and eternal separation from God. And we've been rescued. And I hope that you don't forget that feeling of what your life was like before Christ, before you were rescued. If you are here and you've walked with the Lord, I don't care, maybe for a day or for, for 50, 60 years, hopefully you remember what you were rescued from. Amen? Because if we don't remember that, then it loses its value. I remember what my life was like before Christ. I remember what I was rescued from. I re- the Bible, it says we are rescued from the penalty of sin, which is great. I've been forgiven, but also we've been rescued from what? The power of sin. Sin no longer has power over me. I'm no longer a slave to sin. And one day soon, and I believe very, very soon, we are going to be rescued from the presence of sin. Amen? And that's what we want. That's what we long for. But the good news is the penalty of sin is gone. The power of sin is gone. I remember my oldest son, Malachi, was young, and being a pastor's kid, you know, he, he had a rough, rough life. He still has a rough, rough life. Um, but I remember one time I had to discipline him, and discipline your children is never fun, and so he sits down and, you know, pouring into him, he knew enough about the Bible to be dangerous. And so I sit him down, I said, hey, buddy, I'm going to have to discipline you, and he said, Dad, can we just talk and pray and read the word? The devil made me do it! The devil made me do it! And he thought that I was going to say, yeah, Okay. But I had to sit down, yeah, we're gonna open a word, but I'm gonna rebuke you. The devil didn't make you do it. Sudan, the devil no longer has power over you. And so often so many believers say that, well, the devil made me do it. No, the devil didn't make you do it. He has no power over a believer. We've been delivered from the power of sin in our life. So it's I had to look at him, and he was, you know, he was older, probably about three, and I told him, It was you, your evil, wicked heart. You desired sin, you chose sin, you chose the flesh. You know. but it's not the devil we've been delivered we've been free from the power and soon we're going to be delivered from the presence and so the gospel salvation it delivers and it rescues it's so good for us to remember and to understand what the gospel is and that the gospel doesn't merely have access To the power of God, it is the power of God unto salvation. It is the power of God. And I think that's so encouraging, especially when we share our faith. Because at times we share our faith with people, and sometimes people receive it, and sometimes people don't. And when people don't, maybe it's discouraging. Maybe it's depressing. I'm sure we all have family members, loved ones that we've been praying for, that we want to see walk with the Lord. And we share the gospel with them, and we just get discouraged. Because they just don't want nothing to do with it. But be encouraged that the gospel is the power of God. It reminds me of Isaiah chapter 55 where it says that my word will not return, what, void or empty. And I love that because the power of God is working. When we share the gospel, it is working. Even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it, it is the power of God. It has nothing to do with us. The power of God is working. And that's freeing and that's encouraging when we share our faith. I remember one of the first time I led somebody to the Lord, and early on in my Christian faith, man, I, I thought it was about me. I led somebody to the Lord, and I, I remember exactly what I said word for word, and that was my new script. I said, wow, it worked. I actually led somebody. Wait, you do want to, you want to receive, oh my gosh, I went home that night, and I'm thinking, I got to say it. So the next time I, I, I was talking to somebody about Jesus, I used that same script, because it had to work. They looked game to the Lord. And they said no, and I was like, oh, What? I thought it was about me. Oh, man, I must have messed it up. I must have messed up my presentation. Oh, It's so freeing when I realize it's not about me. Even when I fumble over my words, even when I don't know what to say, when I leave something out, it's not me. And that's freeing. Because nobody likes to be rejected. Nobody likes to be uh, let down, but it's not me. It's the power of God unto salvation. And so share the gospel and let God do the work in the hearts and lives of people. And so the gospel, it's the power of God unto salvation. So the question is, who is this gospel? Who is the power of God for? Well, it says right here in verse 16, to all who believe, the Jew first and the Greek. It's for everyone. And this is amazing news because the gospel, the good news of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ wouldn't be good news if it was for a select group of people or for even a limited group of people, it wouldn't be good news at all. Because I probably wouldn't make that cut. Maybe, like uh, me, maybe we can relay growing up. Maybe we always felt like an outcast. Maybe we always were last to be picked. And so if the gospel was for a select group of people, uh, or a, a limited amount of number, 100,000 people, I probably wouldn't make the list. I'd be on the outside looking in, you know? I wouldn't make it. And so the gospel, the power of God unto salvation is for all who believe. That is good news. That God's desire is that all may come to know him. He died so that all may be forgiven. All. It's for all who believe. That's good news. I'm also think, I also think it's so amazing. And I'm so thankful that the only prerequisite for the power of God unto salvation, receiving the gospel, the only prerequisite for this is to believe. Again, I'm so thankful for this because if it was anything else, I wouldn't make it. I wouldn't be able to. If, there, if you had to have a certain sort of power or prestige or prominence in the world or popularity or money, I would not make it. The only prerequisite is faith. I'm knocking on the door and he looks and he's like, well, oof, geez, it turns out here, you're not the most educated man says, so you only got a GED, a good enough diploma? Uh, you can't make it in here. You, you can't make it in here. I'm like, I'm walking away thinking, man, I was so close. I should have stayed in school. I'm not educated. I can't get in. I'm so thankful. The only prerequisite is for me believing. Well, this word believing, is, it, it's, if that's what everything hinges upon, it's important to understand what that word means. Believe in the Greek, it means to rely upon and to trust in. And so the only thing to understand the gospel and to receive it and to have the power of God do a work in our life is to believe in Jesus, to rely upon and to trust in him. And so the question we have to ask ourselves, do we rely upon and do we trust in Jesus? Do we believe in Jesus? And if we do, it's, it's good. But there might be some here that say, well, it's possible to believe in something, but not rely and trust in something. And I think that's where people get confused and can miss the mark. In my backyard, I have patio furniture, and the sun just absolutely tears up patio furniture. How I many of you guys got sun warped patio furniture at your house right now? It's terrible. And I got this chair, and I love this chair, but the sun has beaten it. And, and it's very thin, and it's very, very brittle. And I believe in this chair. I see this chair every single day when I walk by it. I believe in it. I know it's there. I can touch it. But guess what? I don't trust that chair, and I will definitely not rely upon that chair. I know what would happen if I sat in that chair. That thing is, and I'm like, ah, oh, hell, I've fallen. I can't get up. I'm a mess. But I got some benches that are solid wood, oak, sturdy. I rely upon those benches. I trust those benches. So it's possible to believe in something without relying and trusting. And sadly, some people can say they believe in Jesus, but they don't rely upon him. They rely upon their wealth, their riches, whatever it may be. They say they believe in Jesus, but they don't trust in Jesus. They trust in themselves. And so today, we don't want to be deceived in any way. The only prerequisite is believing. That means relying and trusting in Jesus. And I pray that that is our heart today. And I truly believe today more than ever as a church, we cannot be ashamed. I truly believe today in the climate of the world with everything going on as a church, we need to tap into the dunamis power of God, the dynamite power of God to tap in and truly believe that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. We need that. As a church, as a people, as individuals, as followers of Christ, we need that now more than ever. But not just us. I believe the world needs that. The world needs us to truly believe that. As we watch the news, we could spend all day here talking about the problems in the world. We could spend all day talking about politics and poverty and all these different things. But the greatest need, I believe, the world has is the gospel. And the power of God unto salvation, the power of God to deliver, the power of God to rescue, that's what the world needs. And if the world needs that, they need us. They need us, now more than ever. The gospel, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, is the hope of nations. You can take off the S, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the hope of our nation. And let's not forget that. It's not about a man, it's not about policies or presidents or politics, it's about Jesus. Jesus. He is the hope. Last week, we we spoke about the greatest commandments from Matthew 22. The greatest commandments, and we summarized them into loving God and loving people. And as I was thinking, studying this message, I was thinking, is there a better way to fulfill these commandments and to love God and love people? Is there a better way to fulfill the greatest two to love God, love people, than to share the gospel. To share the gospel with people. It's the power of God unto salvation. It gives people purpose in life. It rescues and delivers them. Is there a better way to love God? I, I don't know if there is. The church, we need to be unashamed. And so the first reason he was unashamed of the gospel was it was the power of God unto salvation. The second reason he's not ashamed of the gospel is because in it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. That's what it says in verse 17. Now, through the gospel, we see the righteousness of God revealed in a couple of ways. One, we see his righteous way in which he deals with sin. He had to deal with sin. He's a right and just God. He couldn't just forgive it and turn a blind eye to it. So we see his righteousness in doing what was right in dealing with sin. But we also see the righteousness of God in the fact that we can have, be in a right standing and be righteous in God's eyes based on faith, imputed righteousness. The Bible says he is Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. It's not about me doing good and all those things. It's him. And so through the righteousness of God being revealed, I think clearly we see two things about God, that God is just and that God is love. God is just because he had to deal with sin. He had to. He couldn't just turn a blind eye to it. That wouldn't be just. That wouldn't be righteous. He had to deal with it. And I think at times for us as as parents, you know, it, it would be easy, we would want to, we would choose to, to turn a blind eye to our children's sin. I haven't met a parent who says, oh, I just love disciplining my kid. Hopefully I will wake up, Lord, help me discipline today. Spare the rod, spoil the child, let me get him. You know? Like, I don't think anybody says that, I hope not. If you do, we have counseling here Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, <laughs> right? I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't enjoy that. I want to turn, I don't want my kids to act up. I don't want to have to deal with it, but I know that it's not right for me to turn a blind eye to it. I know it's not right for me, and I also know it's not good for them. And so I got to deal with it. I have a responsibility for the Lord to raise my children in the ways of the Lord. We all do. So we can't turn a blind eye when they make mistakes. And so God couldn't turn a blind eye. He wouldn't be just. It wouldn't be right. And so because the wages of sin is death, someone had to die. He had to deal with it. And so he came up with a just, with a righteous, and with a loving plan. And that's where we see the fact that God is love. Because God is love, he sent Jesus to pay the price that we couldn't. And to die the death that we should have. That is love. And love he sent the righteous one who knew no sin to be sin. He sent the righteous to die for the unrighteous. You and I. That is love. No greater love greatest sacrifice he gave his only begotten son and so through that we can see that god is just and that god is love and so in closing we see the righteousness of god is revealed from faith to faith now being righteous or being in a right standing with god is based on faith that's it that's the gospel that's the good news faith not works Romans chapter 4, verse 3. Father Abraham. It says it was declared unto him righteous. Because what? He did a lot of good things? No, because he believed. And because he believed, it was declared to him righteous. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And so it's all about faith. And so what Paul is telling us here is when it says from faith to faith, that faith is not only the starting point of our salvation, but I believe it is the staying point of our salvation as well. From faith to faith. What he's saying here is that it's from start to end, beginning to end, it's all about faith. It begins with faith and it ends with faith as well. In the beginning, we remember, we place our faith in him. That's where it started. We opened up our hearts and we received him by faith. And also, it's that same faith that every day we wake up and we choose to follow him, to walk with him, to serve him, and to be obedient with him. And so it's that same faith that started, that we choose to every single day that's going to carry us through the end. Us placing our faith in Christ wasn't a one-time thing. It's important we understand that. Some people might be tricked or deceived. Well, I I did that one time. I remember... Back at the Harvest Crusade, back at the Billy Graham Crusade, I place my faith in Christ. That's why it says the just, that's why I quoted Habakkuk 2 here, the righteous will live by faith. We need to live by faith. Every single day I have to wake up and make a decision to follow Christ, to walk with Christ. That's what I choose. I place my faith in Him every single day. The just shall live by faith. Understanding faith to faith is, is key and it's so important that it's all about faith. I remember that one, that one worship song. I think it was George Michael. You got to have um, faith to faith to faith. You know, that's, that's what it's all about. Faith to faith. He got it right from here. Who would have known? The young people were like, George Michael. <laughs> Some of you guys are thinking that was my wedding song. You know, whatever. <laughs> but it's about faith. Because if it starts with faith, it has to end with faith. And that's what the Apostle Paul was talking to the church in Galatians, chapter 3. You see, they had started with faith, but it had drifted into the law and do's and don'ts. And he said, who tricked you? Who bewitched you, O foolish Galatians? You think that you start with faith, that you start in the Spirit and you're perfected in the flesh? And sadly, so many believers were tempted to do the same thing. We open our hearts and we place our faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And then somehow, some way, we make it about other things. About giving, about church attendance, about good works, about deeds, and all these different things. It's faith to faith. Faith to faith. And so, in closing, may we be a church, a people, as followers of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that is truly unashamed, not ashamed of the gospel. Because it's the power of God unto salvation and the righteousness of God revealed. What better way? Thinking about last week, our motto, the thing that we're going to be about here at Calvary Chapel West Grove, loving God and loving people. What better way to love God than love people than to share the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation and the righteousness of God revealed. And personally, that's why I love this Billy Graham ministry so much. If we could be honest, sharing our faith is one of the most difficult things in the church that we're called to do, it's it's scary, it's nervous. How many guys would say yes? That's that's a true statement, Pastor Eric. It's difficult. That's why I love this Billy Graham ministry. You don't have to do nothing. You don't have to approach anyone. All you got to do, from the comfort of your own phone, people are going to call you. They won't have your number. It'll be routed. You're like, I won't be on my number. No, it'll, it'll be it'll be routed to you. You answer your phone, and they say, "I want to receive the Lord Jesus Christ." R- really? You don't have to do anything. And I think through that, you get tools and you get comfort. And then I think that's going to flow into our lives. I think it's going to flow into our lives like anything. I'm sure the first day at some of your guys' jobs was difficult. It was scary. But you showed up. And that fear went away with a certain amount of confidence that you built up. But our confidence is in the Lord. Our confidence is in the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. It's the righteousness of God revealed. The world needs it. The world needs us. God has chosen that the gospel would go out through us. And so let's not be ashamed. Let's pray. Dearly Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning, God. We thank you so much for this time. We get to worship you, Lord, and hear from you, God. And, Lord, you said that you would send the, the, your Holy Spirit, the teacher of all things. And so, God, we know and understand today that we didn't hear from man. We heard from you. And I pray that we wouldn't allow that which you spoke to us to fall on deaf ears, God. I pray, Lord, that we would meditate upon your word day and night, that we would take from it those things that you would have us to take from it, that we would change in those ways that you want us to change, that we'd start doing things that you want us to, that we'd stop doing others, Lord. We want to be unashamed. Lord, we want to be your hands, your feet. We want to be useful for the master now more than ever. Lord, the church needs to rise up to not be ashamed of the gospel, to tap into the dunamis power of God unto salvation. And So Lord, help us. Speak to us, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Can to ask everybody to bow their heads and to close your eyes. And if you're here today and you're not right with God, you don't have a relationship with God, I just want to speak to you for a moment and give you an opportunity to receive the Lord Jesus Christ today. Today is the day of salvation. If you're ready for the dynamite power of God to change you, to forgive you and to cleanse you, to take you off the road of destruction and to put you on the road of life, to take you out of darkness and to put you in light, to deliver you and rescue you, I want to give you that opportunity today. how do i do that by simply believing if you're here today and you believe that jesus christ is god and you're ready to receive him but believe means you're ready to trust in him and to rely upon him you're ready to give him your life today that means turning everything over to him and beginning to live for him i want to give you the opportunity to do that to be born again to have a relationship with god that the power of sin will no longer have any control over you, that the penalty of sin will not be a worry when you see God face to face. You don't have to worry, fear, or fret because you have been forgiven. You receive the gospel, you receive the good news. It's for all who believe. And so today, if you believe, whether for the first time or maybe some need to rededicate their lives to the Lord today. 2020 was a difficult year. You began to rely upon other things. You began to trust in other things. Today is the day of salvation. With every head bowed, every head closed. I want to pray for you today. If that's you, you just simply raise your hand. Say, Pastor, I'm ready. Today's the day. Anybody here? I see your hand. God bless you. I see your hand. Is there anyone else? Anybody else who says, I'm ready? I'm willing. I see your guys' hands. God bless you guys. You can put them down. I see your hand. I want to lead you guys in a simple prayer. If you're ready and you're watching online, today is the day for you as well. Or in the fellowship hall, oh, I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads and to close their eyes. And to repeat this after me, you don't even have to say it out loud. You can just say, dear Lord Jesus, I have sinned and fallen short of your righteousness. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying. On the cross for my sins i receive you now as my lord and my savior please come into my heart and help me to live for you in all that i do in jesus name i pray amen let's rejoice (laughs) with those who receive the lord today god bless you guys those of you who said that prayer today we'd love to pray for you encourage you give you some little gifts. Uh, There's a prayer room right here. It's so important just to, to, to know where to go and where to start. And so it's a prayer room. If you're here and you're struggling and you're hurting, man, there's people who would love to pray for you and minister to you. I encourage you to stop by the prayer room as well. But as a church, may we do the greatest commandments, fulfill the greatest commandments of loving God and loving people. I don't know a better way than to share the gospel. May we not be ashamed of the Gospel. God bless you guys.